the first 15 minutes of every podcast we record is just us being distracted by cats. <laughs> yeah. It's our settling in routine. Yes. Hey, y'all. This is the Queer Archive, a queer and feminist Doctor Who podcast. I'm Brenna. And I'm Caitlin. And this week, we're talking about the woman who lived. Let's don our best robber's masks and ride into the night to stick them up and pull to open. Okay. Initial reactions. How do we feel? A lot of brow in this episode. There's some good brow. Brows. (laughs) Multiple. Brows, brows, brows. The Doctor's hair is still pretty fly, though. Yeah. Still immaculate. I mean, it is his best-looking season, and we'll keep saying it. Yeah, he looks good in this episode. This season, I love the way they do his hair. But, of course, there's always a special place in our heart for the season 10 main that we all adore so much. (laughs) So, I think the first 10 minutes or so are pretty promising. Yeah, and I think the last, like, five minutes or so are also good. Anything that has to do with the actual plot is where it goes downhill. But Mm. then there's, like, individual isolated moments that you can take out. And they're like, that was great. Like, when they're sneaking around the (laughs) The house. (laughs) Sneaking around the house. Capology's pretty funny. Yes. The goofy dad continues. And he has, like, a ton of amazing one-liners. Yes. Which can sometimes just carry the whole damn scene. Yeah. Which is great. I think it's interesting to watch the progress of him this series as he gets less abrasive. Because this episode, he doesn't have Clara, who he leans on to help him know when he's being too rough. But even when he's trying to tell Lady B, no, you can't travel with me because it wouldn't be good. He's not coming off brusque or harsh. He's getting gentler as the series progresses. And I think that's interesting. Totally. Which, season eight, Capaldi? Wouldn't have even bothered. Season eight, Doctor, not even in the slightest. Yeah. So... It's almost like you can feel the show, like, reeling back and being like... Yeah. Either they're like, whoa, we course corrected yeah. real hard, <laughs> or they're also like, it's a part of the arc, so yes. it's intentional. Again, back to the goofy doctor. <laughs> I just want to acknowledge his line about the puns. Line in the sand, no puns. It's like, so, <laughs> are we just going to act like Tudis never happens? I think maybe he's upset because no one under, like, they didn't get the joke, so he's so, acting like it didn't happen. You know what? No. You know, sometimes I the joke flops. Yeah. <laughs> we will not have it. I said we will not have it. Oh. The first half-ish of the episode, we get a lot of Clara and me ship moments, which I also approve. Is there a name for that ship? Not that I'm aware of. Terminus will probably tell us. Sorry. <laughs> There's got to be a name for it. I'm sure there is. Yeah. So Clara comes up with her and the doctor and then with... When they're in the fire. Yeah. The chimney. <laughs> Straight up crawling through that chimney, which they do not crawl out of dirty enough. No. Like you would be covered, covered in soot. You yeah. need to take a page out of Mary Poppins' book. Mm, yeah. Those kids barely lean up into the chimney and they come out just like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they're talking about Clara and the doctor's like, you remember Clara? Yeah, she remembers Clara. <laughs> <laughs> Then at the end, she's... Yeah, of course. (laughs) She's just creeping in the background of that selfie. But we also get the line, she'll die on you, you know. She'll blow away like smoke. God. Woof. Oh, God, it's so bad. God. It's so bad. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh, I don't. I honestly don't think that I caught that until this particular rewatch. It's because we never watch these. Episodes. We never watch these two episodes. <laughs> but yeah, knowing what happens coming fairly soon, it's just brutal. Literally blows away like smoke. Yeah. Another line between them two is when they're walking up the stairs, they're kind of sneaking around with their candle, blah, blah, blah. And the doctor's really trying to convince her, hey, you need human shared experiences. And she's like, I'm regretting sharing this one with you. <laughs> LMAO. <laughs> but also, speaking of the immortality chip or whatever, I'm guessing there's fanfic out there where... Me shares that with Clara. Yeah, there's got to be an AU. Although, there doesn't have to be. I mean, technically, they... That is totally within the realm of possibility. (laughs) If they were flying together on their way back to Gallifrey, the long way around, she's like, by the way, yeah, just put this on your forehead. Like, a piece of lime will help you with your headache. So she never... (laughs) We'll just pretend she never saved Sam Swift. And instead... Who's Sam Swift? The guy at the end of this episode. She doesn't give that to him. Oh, shit. <laughs> it's like I didn't watch the second half of this episode. <laughs> that's how she stops the apocalypse. You're right, you're right. <laughs> okay, mm, I missed that huge plot point. Okay. Um, <laughs> like, I knew she saved him, but I didn't remember that the chip was... <laughs> she saved the... him, but you didn't know no. she oh saved him. <laughs> uh, yeah, totally. Mm, 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 mm. Okay, <laughs> what else we got? I think because after we watched The Girl Who Died, I was like, this episode, I like this episode more than I remembered. I wonder why we never watched these. And then we mm-hmm. rewatched this one. And I think my biggest problem, the reason why we don't ever return to these, is that me has real legitimate gripes about the doctor. And, like, they are real problems. Her criticism is fair. It is grounded in reality. And it's feedback that the doctor needs to hear. But the script just frames her as, like, this petulant, entitled brat. And it makes it not fun to watch because I like a shielder. And I feel like Lady Me does have, like I said, those complaints are real and should be spoken. But because they are playing her like a little child throwing a tantrum, yep, exactly. it makes these ep- this episode in particular really unpleasant for me to watch because I don't like what they do to a shielder. I agree. Whereas a shielder was extremely interesting. Lady Me, they do not make her interesting at all. They, yeah. they have one note for her, and that is that she's an annoying child, like you said, throwing a tantrum. I don't know where they got off doing that because her and the doctor actually share a relatively similar age. Yeah. And they more play off of the actors ages to be like yes. this is an old, old man like fatherly paternal dynamic to like a young child who doesn't know what she's talking about yeah which is garbage <laughs> knowing exactly what the situation is and i wish they would have made me just as interesting as they made a shield character yeah and it's weird too because lady me is a robber this is a robbery it's not fishing the night is this it is my else? robbery Nope. She is... She's dope as fuck. Yeah, like, like on all paper. the ingredients are there, but the script and the direction just aren't framing that in a way that's interesting. Yeah. And that's a bummer. Yep. I find it quite bullshit, actually, that the doctor has been checking on me, mm-hmm. but not to talk to her. Yeah. He's been checking on her to make sure that she doesn't turn into something that he disapproves of. Finally, when he does disapprove of 
her. It's been so long that he doesn't know how she got where she got. Yeah. I don't understand the way that he justifies the lack of communication with her because she needs to talk to someone who gets the struggle. And like she says, he's the one person who understands what infinity feels like. Yeah. In a lifetime alone. It's pretty unnecessarily cool, Doctor. Like, you knew the life that you were damning her to. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe, like, that's why he didn't do it, because he knew knew. how big he fucked up. And he doesn't want to look into the consequences of his choices. Yeah. And at the end, I anticipated him actually naming that and actually being like, I knew I was ashamed. I was afraid of you and what you could become and what I made you, blah, blah, blah. Like, say it all, but he doesn't really. He's just, like, they kind of just, like, happily, conveniently land on the same page. Like, oh, I'll take care of your garbage. Mm. I'll take care of your leftovers. You just go on and do stuff without really thinking about the consequences of what you leave behind. And now you could really do that because you got me Mm. to pick up after you. Anyways, I thought that was just a little bit convenient, the way that she just switched over like that. Yeah. Because, again, unlike Time Lords, humans aren't built to live that long. Yeah. So Time Lords, like, he knows other Time Lords. Of course, he has his own story of being separated from them. But he knows the experiences and he shared experiences of other people like him who have regenerated, who have lived lifetimes. Yeah. She doesn't know any humans like that. She knows one person, a Time Lord. Yeah. That's the closest she's got to her experience. But again, it's a little different because she doesn't get a restart or a refresh. She has to live in her one body alone for lifetimes. And that's worse. (laughs) Yeah. It's built on this abandonment, too. And also, like she says, she has an infinite lifespan, but a human finite memory. Yep. So she doesn't even get the benefit of all of her own experience. Yeah. Besides her diaries. Which I'm guessing Time Lords have a different memory. Like, they have a memory that can match the lifetimes that they have lived. And so it's, again, just a little different of an experience. And the doctor has, like, no sympathy for that. I don't know that he doesn't have sympathy. I just think he doesn't he doesn't want to think about it, so he's yeah. refusing to interface. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He might as well have no sympathy for that is what I'm saying. It's like if he did, he's choosing not to act on it, mm. which sucks. So that part is a big bummer. <laughs> just a yeah. big old bummer because I'm like, hey, you take on companions all the time. You took on a companion that was immortal, and we talk about that at the end. Captain also, Jack Harkness. He also ditched him. <laughs> I mean, yeah. But he doesn't even try with the shield art. He's just like, it wouldn't be good. We wouldn't be good for each other. All right, what else we got? Mm, the big kitty is whack. The big kitty is whack. <laughs> when the kitty man, so when they're at the hanging, and he gets out of the carriage with his hood up, and he's like skulking in the background, and then he's like, it's time to hang! And then he like skulks back out of frame. I always, every time I watch it, I think about- <laughs> She doesn't even go here! With the hood and everything. <laughs> she doesn't even go here. <laughs> Walks away. <laughs> Pretty sure we got some evidence that Lady Me is Team Kapapi. Okay. Yeah, he's totally like, can you confirm that I'm not your dad? Yeah. What do you say, Dad? <laughs> Team Kapapi! <laughs> I mean, later she does say you're not my dad, so maybe not, but you're not my dad. You're not my real dad. <laughs> You're not my space dad. Capaldi on that horse. That fake horse. That horse is so fake. It is so fake. P. 
Peter Capaldi does not do stunts. I will sit on this wobbly fake horse. <laughs> I will That's all you're gonna get out buck of me. back and forth approximately five times. <laughs> and you will take what you get and you will make it work. <laughs> Keep the horse's face out of frame because it's definitely not it's a horse face. Real fake. <laughs> they almost did that. Yeah, you <laughs> could see like one eye, right? <laughs> Anything else for our first reactions? I don't have any other first reactions, but I just, I don't feel like I got enough loot off these chumps and pulled nah. to open. You know who have the good shit? Who? The High Council of Gallifrey. All right, stick them up, High Council. This is where... <laughs> We discuss the people in power positions in production for who? Let's do it. I have two notes. <laughs> Are they the writer and the director? Yeah. <laughs> done and done. All right, who we got? Uh, written by Catherine Tregena, who does not write another episode again. Okay. She's a playwright, I guess, in real life. And directed by the same guy as the last episode, Ed Bazalgette. Okay. So this is an example of a two-parter that's actually not written by the same person. Yeah. I feel Makes like sense. you can definitely you could, tell the difference. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. They're completely different episodes with different storylines that just happen to talk to each other. Yeah. I, like we said, we prefer the first. What do you think about the direction? Anything? I think that most of this episode is like, meh, to me. Yeah. Even the music. I think the music that Murray Gold composes for them sneaking in the house is funny. That was funny. Dun, 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 I dun, dun, definitely dun, dun, noticed dun, dun, that. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> That's like Robin music for a rom-com. We're definitely dancing. Yeah. But I do like the direction for the scene after the portal's been opened. We were just talking about this, that I don't normally enjoy handy cam shots because they're really wobbly and it gets annoying to me because I'm like, I can't see. <laughs> but, I, yeah. but I do think that Ed is doing a balanced enough job of the shaking that it does make the scene feel chaotic without me being like, what the fuck is happening in this scene? Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> Just random, a shit ton of extras running around. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he's still doing a competent job. I probably won't watch this episode again until our next rewatch. That's fair. Yeah. With a handy cam, it's a tool to be used sparingly. Mm. And it could be really effective when it is used at the right time and right place. I think of a moment in Knives Out where it's definitely not used for most of the film, but at this one particular moment when shit hits the fan and all of a sudden people are like swarming this one particular character and that's when they choose to like have this handy cam. It feels like a steady cam at first and that particular shot turns into a handy cam. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. We don't know if we're saying these terms correctly. Someone but will the point is, sure. it goes from a steady shot to a really wobbly one, yep. which helps the scene feel claustrophobic, mm-hmm. helps you understand the chaos, which is part of what Ed's doing well here at that the battle scene after the portal's opened. That it goes from lots of steady shots to lots of wobbly shots, and it helps you read the chaos in the scene. Yeah, I respect. Maisie's performance in that particular scene is also really good. Yeah. The big kitty... Not so much. <laughs> Big Kitty has a very Hordak storyline. He from does. what we know of Hordak in She-Ra as of right now. I spend most of this episode, every time we watch it, wondering 
if they had to re-record his lines because of the prosthetics over his lips. He can't speak in that. There's no way. Nah. Right? Mm-mm. Okay. Lisa doesn't look like he can speak in no. that. <laughs> I also get obsessed every time he says, my ship crashed to Earth. Because <laughs> he goes like a really strong TH. <laughs> obsessed. <laughs> That's how you know he's from another land. <laughs> Thou can't just givest me thine mother's sword. Why not? Eth. Because it's really important. Eth. That's exactly why you should have S it. You can have all week to practice S with it S. <laughs> Thank you. You know, I still don't feel like I've plundered enough good stuff to feel like our ride for Robin is over. Yeah. Well, we can ride to the Black Archive and see if there's anything cool to steal from there. Uh, okay. Yeah. Good idea. All right, we're in the Black Archive, which is a repository for all the dangerous stuff on Earth that's supposed to be kept away from the doctor, but alas, it's still here. So here we talk about things like race, class, sexuality, gender, bodies, all the good stuff. Let's get into it. Call people by the name they ask you to call them by. It's really not that hard. It is not that fucking hard. It makes me so mad every time we watch this episode when he's like a shielder and she's like, my name is fucking me. One more time. My name is me. Just, it costs you nothing. Literally nothing to be like, oh, okay, cool, me. This is like you email someone and then they reply to you and they spell your name incorrectly. Mm. As if, like, you didn't sign your with name. your name. Like, you could just copy and paste. Anyways, yeah. um, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> In summary. <laughs> also, I would say Mee's identity reads as super queer in a couple of different ways. Yeah. It could be non-binary or gender fluid. Basically, like, her new name doesn't infer a gender. Yes. And her, the way that she walks around in the world actually embodies multiple genders. Yes. And she uses them at different times. Yeah. And she's not saying, like, I pretended to be a man. Like, when she says, when I fought in the Battle of Agincourt, she says that was my first stint as a man. They didn't know that it was a woman fighting on their side. So she's saying, I inhabit qualities of multiple genders. And to say, no, your name is a shielder really sucks, which also is weird because halfway through the episode, the doctor says he blah, 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 blah about. So he can yes, switch. You can. Oh, I see. You can wow. actually do the thing that really, it literally costs you nothing yeah. to not be an asshole. He thinks he's all high and mighty too, making a point that like mm. a shield or is the true you. You should return back to this and whatever you think you are now, you are misled, misguided and it's associated with her lack of humanity. Yeah. Yeah. So it's bullshit. He like he again he doesn't even know her. Like yeah. you don't get you don't have the right to walk into someone's life who you don't know. You yourself have chosen to not communicate with them. Yes. And then walk into their life and tell them who they are and yeah. what they should be called. And you do not get the right to refuse to use the name that they prefer when you had countless opportunities to reach out, to visit her, to know her. And know why she chose her name. Yeah. And it's just extra fresh, seeing as he is the reason she chose her name. He yes. is the reason she has lived this long to have to have a name that endures lifetimes. Yes. Also, stop telling someone that they can be who they used to be. She has lived for hundreds of years at this point. That is bonkers. 
bonkers to be like, oh, you should be static. You should be the person I met. Hey, man, first of all, get fucking wrecked. Second of all, that is mighty rich coming from you, Mr. I have a million bajillion faces. And earlier this season, you just said, it's my party and all of me is invited. You are so, multiple people. Yes, you have multiple you identities. You contain multitudes. Your name is has multiplicity embedded in it and it is a name that you chose and you ask others to call you that that is not a conventional name (laughs) bitch you ain't special oh my gosh the blindness the audacity not only is that impractical to be like one person throughout how many years but it's unhealthy like if she hadn't changed i would be concerned yeah exactly over 900 900 years bro i would not expect her to be the same person bro yeah again she doesn't have your memory she's not a fucking time lord god what about bechtel and duvernay (laughs) (laughs) that's that's funny yeah Mm. 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 moving on (laughs) well did you get a good enough haul stealing the stuff in here yeah I think I'm ready. Let's give it to the people. Okay, perfect. While we're sorting our loot, we can hear a word from our sponsors. This podcast is brought to you by Magpie Electronics Curio Scanner. For the well-traveled explorers among us, we often find ourselves in situations where we need to be able to quickly and reliably identify an alien artifacts in order to find the nearest space-traveling ally. And the Magpie Electronics Curio Scanner can help you with that. Our Curio Scanner can detect exoplanetary energy traces, even across galaxies. So, if you need to locate the nearest undercover alien or need to track an interplanetary artifact through those starry skies, trust Magpie's Curio Scanner to get you where you need to be. Magpie, a Curio Scanner for the curious explorers among you. We're in the heart of the TARDIS, where we talk about feels and morals of the episode. Morals, feels. <laughs> that was great. Okay. So, what do we think this episode trying to say? I think... I think it's I, really trying to say something. I think this episode thinks it's saying immortality is bad because you lose perspective because your life is so long and you have that vast viewpoint. Gotcha, gotcha. I think that's what it thinks it's saying. What it seems to be actually saying is you're responsible for your own choices and that even though sometimes people are responsible for what happens to you that makes you, I don't know, let's say immortal, you're ultimately (laughs) the one who chooses to use that immortality badly. Okay. That's fine. Yeah. (laughs) I think that lesson can exist at the same time as the way in which they're positioning the doctor versus me. Yeah. And they're not in conflict. Right. So me is both responsible for her own actions, no matter how she got into her circumstances, mm-hmm. while also at the same time, the doctor, whether or not the episode is trying to say this, the doctor is also responsible for how he has contributed to her circumstances that yes. she finds herself in. <clears throat> um, it's, so, almost, it's almost nature versus nurture, in a way, because he's yeah. saying your nature, a shielder is to be good, to be kind, to be creative. And she is saying, me, the person I am now, lady me, 
that is where I came from. But the circumstances in which I have continued to live have changed who I am. And so they're arguing with each other like those two things are in conflict when actually it is both. Both Always her both. nature, yeah. yeah, and her her nurture, the situation and the circumstances that she's lived in have changed her. Mm-hmm. And those don't disprove each other, like you were saying. It's not like that actually conflicts. I just think this episode thinks that they do. Because ultimately it's saying she saves the day because she finds herself again. That's what the doctor is basically saying to her yeah. when she saves the day. So at the end of the episode, in that like really profound conversation that they have... Mm-hmm. He calls her. The tavern, ye swan with two necks. Mm, That's the one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fine establishment. The doctor calls her a shielder, and she doesn't correct him. Yeah. So I don't know if it's supposed to be saying that she has more grace for that, or she's not as annoyed with him. She corrects him when he pops back up, though. She's like, my name is me, the next two times she shows up, so. Right. But in this moment, particularly, to serve this storyline, it's almost like they're trying to say that she's fine with Ishildor. And that's different. I think, actually, quite like we were saying in the episode where the doctor was talking about his past selves and inviting all of himself to his party, there's a difference between accepting the people that you have been before, accepting the ways in which both nature and nurture like formed you at that particular time and place, but moving on from that yeah. and acknowledging that you are a different person. So that's one thing, but it's different than being okay with someone calling you that old thing that though you have accepted it, you're still not that person. Yeah. So though she can kind of reconcile like who she's been in the past and trust the doctor, yes, you knew a shielder, a shielder was great. That was a part of me. That doesn't mean it, he could just keep calling her that. Yeah. That that was weird to me. Like yeah. you still have the right to correct him. Yeah. I think that's like one of the things that Jody's doctor gets really, really right. Yeah. She says you can acknowledge and honor who you've been and choose who you want to be. And I think Lady Me is choosing to be yeah. me. She's like, I understand that. That's why I have all these diaries. See how I have all my diaries and mm-hmm. I reread them? That's because I don't want to forget who I was. Yep. But I am this person now. Mm-hmm. And the doctor can get on board with that. Or get wrecked. Or get wrecked. <laughs> <laughs> on that lukewarm note, is there something we would like to send to a crack in time and space? Yeah, I think it's time. Okay. What are we sending? Not calling her Lady Me, obviously. By Ron, what's that? Bitch. What about favorite three moments? All right. First one is right within those first 10 golden minutes of the mm. episode, the doctor's interrupting me's robbery, of <laughs> course, and his line about, why don't we share? Isn't that what robbery is all about? <laughs> I actually do like that whole scene when he's like just crawling through the carriage. Why and he's like, he oh, it's warm in here. Because he's following the signal, I guess. <laughs> but then when um, me is threatening him and he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Go ahead. Say it again. I promise I'll I listen. promise. And then <laughs> she does say it again. And he's like, uh, basically, you I wasn't what? listening. <laughs> I really meant to that time. Yeah. I like... Maisie's delivery of But I do! Oh god I do! I actually do! I I can't! Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> Ain't that the worst? Yeah, and he says, isn't it awful? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright. Uh last one I'll add. The doctor making up the explanation about Sam's maybe probably not being immortal <laughs> in his face <laughs> when she's like 
You made all that up right now, didn't you? Yeah. All ashamed, <laughs> hand covering his face. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't even get through no, he it. He couldn't even. He was like stuttering and stumbling. Yeah, yeah. And the energy and just like probably yeah, absorbed. Probably, yeah. and just, like, really drained. It's gonna be fine. <laughs> What's that line about like 90% of the doctor is like bullshitting anyways? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's very true. It is true. Oh, did we have one more moment? I like when Clara hugs the doctor and he says, I've missed you, Clara Oswald. That end was, you know, they're just trying to sucker punch us because they they know what's coming. Yep. I really miss you, Clara Oswald. I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) How fucking dare you? So mean. The season's so mean. Okay. I think that about wraps it up on Lady Me. For now. (laughs) Next week, we'll be talking about the first Zygons episode, The Zygon Invasion. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Queer Archive Pod. We want to hear from you, your thoughts and feels on this episode or this two-parter or this season or Doctor Who in general. Or just, like, life, man. Or about cookies. Yeah, we made a lot. Mm-hmm. How you're keeping the holiday gay? Maybe we should find some Doctor Who cookie cutters. Uh, duh. Okay. And please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice because it really does help. Until next time. Be gay. Do crimes. Yeah. Tune on your speakers and please be my doctor, whoever. Yeah. Uh huh, uh huh. Yes, sir.